0: Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast this week. We have a special guest. Uh, His name is Alex Gilpin, and Alex used to do ministry here in the Wichita area at Countryside Christian Church. He's a Wichita kid through and through. He grew up here. Alex is known to have really built the city of Wichita, and uh, if he didn't build it, he probably helped... Tear it down. Dismantle it. (laughs) But now Alex is up in Independence, Missouri. He's planted a church up there called Revive Church. Many of you already know a lot of the Revive Church story, but figure that we've got the man, the myth, the legend in-house here, and so we'll let him tell us a little bit. Uh, Alex, um, why don't you give us a quick snapshot of getting into planting Revive, okay. going from Wichita to Revive. Give us that Okay. Give us that piece. First, first, how did you feel
1: about that? Just weird. It's very weird. Flattery. Yeah,
2: but I'm used to Travis, okay. so I get it. Enough said. <laughs> Enough said. I'm sure everybody listening to this <laughs> knows Travis, and you just let him get it out.
1: <laughs> <And then laughs> it's like and, a kid. You
2: just let him oh, go. I did move. not. That
0: that is sinking in. Let, <laughs> just let Travis let, go. Let it
2: go. <laughs> no, it was all very flattering. But no, I did. I did grow up. Here we go. All right. Set the clock because we could talk for a while, but I'm going to try to go pretty pretty quick on this just at the highlights. So, yeah, grew up on the east side of Wichita. Uh, my wife and I, we lived in Central and Edgemoor areas. So, you know, in areas kind of similar to Delano that um, struggled with, you know, some material poverty and loss of identity and um, a lot of people struggling and not a lot of, like, community built around there. So that's really – we lived there for seven years where our heart for neighborhoods started um, we, we did a neighborhood watch um, thing. We invite people over to our house. We we're still new to it, but what kind of we were seeing is there was a big disconnect between the church um, that we were serving in that was, you know, about 15 minutes away and the neighborhood that we were living in, and so that is really kind of the beginning of this dream of could we be a part of a church work or even start a church that combined those two things, neighborhood and church, and almost started with just the neighborhood and then just kind of saw what expression happened. So um, 2013, we moved up to Kansas City, um, sold our house, left our, our jobs, moved up to Kansas City to do a residency with a church in South Lee Summit, south part of Kansas City, that did that very thing. like They served the city well, um, they were focused, um, they were in more of an affluent area, so we um, you know, did ministry with them, but what my job was for a year was to just drive around Kansas City and get lost, pray, meet with community leaders, and really determine where this church work was going to be, and that's a, that was a crazy job description. I mean, that I felt incredibly lost during that time because at the same time, I was trying to find myself and figure out what in the world are we even doing. Well, we collided with the story of Independence, Missouri, and Van Horn High School very quickly. Within two weeks of being up there, we collided with this story. And so um, Western Independence um, is unique. Um, The story is very complex, but basically um, you have a important historical city. It's got a lot of Civil War ties. It's Harry Truman's hometown. It's a community of Christ um, or kind of Joseph Smith's um, belief is that it is Zion. Um, there's a lot of things that make independence important. It was the collision of three trails the Santa Fe, California, and Oregon Trail. So, before Kansas City was around, independence was around. And so, it's almost like this place that has such significance that we can't just let it go um, too far. But over the last 30 years, it struggled with so much um, drug abuse, crime, lack of identity loss there and a school district that was struggling. Um, In 2008, so five years before we got there, there was this cool spark where the school district annexed five schools back to the Independence um, City, and with that became an excitement. The tagline was inspiring greatness, and they really wanted people to see that schools is not only a good place, but also a community center. Hmm. All this was being built before we got there. So in two thousand thirteen there was already kind of this thought that schools could be a community center that we want better but we don't know how to get it. So we love that that moment in history. You know, I think to play in a church you gotta have right time, right place, right people, and God orchestrates that. And we hit it, um, in the sense that we came into a area that was looking for somebody to speak into what is next for independence. So when we stepped in, even as newbies, Um, We knew that, first of all, we're going to have to attach to some key community leaders, some front runners, people who had a really important voice in the city. So Bob Spradling, who was a pastor, who was a big part of the annexation, um, he was uh, important, so he was a friend early on. Um, Jennifer, a gal who's just everywhere in the community development world. Um, We met with these people and asked them, how can we assist them? And basically, what they sent us on was this massive needs assessment. So I would just meet with people and ask, what does better look like? Um, What are you passionate about? Um, You know, first of all, like I would hear a lot of people say, I want to get out of independence. Mm -hmm. And that always just confused me because I'm like, how are we going to build anything if everybody wants to leave? And it's like, that's going to have to change. So mm-hmm. one of those questions was, if the city starts to be better, and however we defined better, um, would you stick around? Would, mm-hmm. would you be here? Would you put your kids in the schools? Would you care? Would you walk instead of drive to the local supermarket? You know, like, would you do life here? And we started to see, like, there's some interest there. And so we started in the high school. Well, we started in my house, then moved to the high school, and then a few years later bought a building. Um, you know, our name, Revive Church, came from— the buzzword at the time was revitalization, and I'm just not sure I can spell that. So, <laughs> so Try it right now. Uh, R-E-V-I-P. <laughs> and so we just like, well, that's not going to work, revitalization church. So we just shortened it to revive, and our tagline is bringing new life to the neighborhood. And that comes from the story of Jesus bringing Lazarus back to life, in that we recognize through that story um, in John 11 that uh, Jesus is the one who has the power to bring the new life, not us. But at the end of that story, he actually um, gives a instruction to his followers to take Lazarus's grave clothes off. So he invites them into the process. And so we say Jesus brings the healing. We just simply participate. And so that's what we mean by bringing new life into the neighborhood. That's maybe just a basic snapshot. We okay. moved in, do life there, love it. It's very challenging, but it's good.
1: You said on your job description, it said just drive around Kansas City and get lost. Yeah, get lost. Was that actually on the—
2: Yeah, meaning turn off the GPS in the sense of like um, just drive around. And that's how we found independence was I was at 18th and Vine, which is a historical district in in Kansas City, meeting with um, an African-American pastor who was planting a church down there, and um, he challenged me. He says, Alex, I believe that God has something to say to you today. And that messed with my view of how God works and how the spirit works. Yeah, because yeah. I grew up in um, a thinking of that limits God to say today. And I thought, no, God will speak to me over time and yeah. however he wants to speak to me. But I believed in this guy's His name was Michael Randall, a great church planter up there at Mosaic Church. And he said, here's the deal, Alex, you drive, I pray. So I got in my truck, turned the GPS off and just drove. Got lost, went east on Truman Road, saw Van Horn High School, Um, I grew up an 80s rock fan, and so the first thing I saw was VH, Van Halen, Van Horn, something there. I don't know. Boom. And then my tire was getting flat, so I had to stop at Quick Trip. (laughs) And when I stopped at Quick Trip, I just started paying attention to where I was and all these things. And God did kind of a spirit work that day of just showing me that maybe this is a spot. So then I started researching it. Ended up at one of our supporting churches, Blue Springs Christian Church, and they said, we'll give you money for planting the church, but we want to know where the church is and I said I don't know but I feel like maybe Van Horn High School well that triggered something that I wasn't aware of that um, the assistant principal at the time was a part of that church and they were praying for a ministry to come to that school and here we are driving around with all these resources from church planting mm-hmm. and God just collided that story and so getting lost was actually a huge part of this journey yeah
0: um, that's, cool. that's awesome your your conviction for uh, seeing the connection between a local church and its community, I think, is right. like the base layer of all this. Where it's like you you notice that where you were working in a church, but the lack of like actual involvement, mm-hmm. but you know the disconnect between those two things. Right, that can happen easily, I think, in churches where mm-hmm. you you be, you can become so inwardly focused, and you're just like, well, we celebrate stuff in here and. Nothing else, you know, kind of gets connected out in the neighborhood or the things that are happening in the neighborhood are like great for the neighborhood, but we are a different entity. Right. And so um, that but that's got to be a constant like tension for you mm-hmm. to keep your foot on the gas for helping the neighborhood and helping the community and also creating a, you know, stabilized, you know, kind of ministry. Right. Um, what, what's that been like, I guess? What's how do, you, how do you kind of carry those things at the same time? Because we try to, I mean, that's very much like our, our, our heartbeat as well, yeah. is having that we're not just in a neighborhood, but we're mm-hmm. for it. Yeah. And um, even if you don't live here, mm-hmm. we're still like, we're unashamedly, unapologetically. Like our intent is to help Delano, is to help this neighborhood, is to help the community, you know, in that sense. So,
2: yeah. So much there, so I'll try to break it down for in my brain. First of all, if you want to be a, a, a neighborhood church, you have to realize what you're signing up for, right? Most churches are not neighborhood churches. They just happen to be there. They share an address, but they don't share anything else. And so um, you pop the hood on the neighborhood, and you find out what's really going on, and then you care enough to actually get involved. Foundationally, um, this was planted in me as we were planting the church is that as Christians, Christ followers, we have three options. We can isolate, assimilate, or integrate. Um, This is how we typically see Christians play out their, their calling or their life. Isolate means the world's going to hell faster and faster. Let's build our four walls and play it safe because we're already in. We're good, right? Assimilate is to go look for people that are like you. Um, that get along with you, make the same amount of money, come from the same place, maybe even ethnicity wise as far they're the same look the same integrate is what we believe jesus did um Jesus's ministry didn't have a zip code he would be hard to find on any given day um you know he was out and amongst the people, his ministry could be defined as along the way. we see this in scripture that he was just out and about, and then oh, this happened right, and so that's kind of what we tried to follow it's like um, Jesus integrated. We need to integrate. So the best way to integrate is to live in the community, do life there. Um, the power of a neighbor is unbelievable. I mean, think about on your block when somebody knocks at your door and you look through the through the glass, uh, you know, and you see somebody who lives on your block, you're going to open that door. Right. You're, you're going to open that door and probably wonder what what do you want. But if it's just some stranger that's just coming by, no. They, Most people won't even open it. They'd probably shut the lights off and go back into the back of the house. Mm -hmm. And so the power of a neighbor, I mean, you win such favor when you can say, I live right there. I heard what you heard last night. I feel what you feel. I'm dealing with the same things. And if the Christian is in that strategically, that's how they're going to reach people for Jesus is shoulder to shoulder. It's messy. Neighborhood is the messiest ministry. Um, because I can't escape that person that I disagree with or they're going to see my flaws because I'm a sinner. I'm a failure. I accidentally yelled at my kid down the street last week and that guy that I was trying to witness to saw it, you know, Mm -hmm. or, you know. And it's messy, but it's real. I was uh, um, the Barna group that does these statistics. They did one for Kansas City a couple um, years ago or last year, and they asked non-Christians or people that didn't... um, check the box of Christian mm-hmm. on their thing. What do they want Christians to do? What would one thing matter if they did? And they said, um, I want Christians to admit that they're hypocrites. And not necessarily in a negative sense, but just to simply say, I know that I don't follow all the things I say I'm about. I know that I'm still working on it. And that mm-hmm. alone creates so much um, power. So yeah, our heart is to integrate. Our heart is to be real, be about the neighborhood. We tell people that there's only one, fo- well, that's this isn't true. There's more than one fight that we'll pick at Revive because theology is incredibly important and doctrine. So we will stand on the word of God. Absolutely. You know, Jesus is the only way <laughs> um, mm-hmm. to the Father. But as far as like community wise, if you talk bad about Northwest independence, we will fight you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, you can drive in from wherever you want, you can drive 30 miles if you want to come to Revive. Mm-hmm. Just because we're a neighborhood church doesn't mean you have to live in the neighborhood, right, exactly. but you have to care about our neighborhood. Yeah. And our neighborhood has been ravaged. Um, by negative reputation in the KC metro area, um, you can even watch the news, and we, we are 160,000 people, and we don't even often get our name on the weather map. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like thing in Lee Summit or Blue Springs, it's raining. We skipped over <laughs> yeah. this giant area, so there's this this reputation that we're not good enough. Yeah, you know, and that's the thing that we have. Reputation is so hard to change. It takes so much intentionality, but I believe we're doing it. Yeah, um, but that is one thing when I hear people say, well, our our neighborhood's too far gone. I'm yeah. like, you really need to rethink that or just stay quiet because you're yeah. going to hurt what God yeah. is doing. Yeah.
0: So many so many different things came to mind. One of them is um when you when you say isolate, assimilate and integrate. Integrate. The t- the the first two are natural to us. Yes. Like if we're just kind of left to our own devices, we do those things without mm-hmm. trying. Like we just wake up and we isolate, we wake yeah. up, we uh, assimilate. Yeah. That integrate is like I think it's got to be a call. Yeah, I think you got to see it as like you are like we say like at well, I mean, a lot of people say it, like every Christian is a missionary. Yeah, right. And so, but you you can't just say that. That's got to be a call and a conviction deep down mm-hmm. that says I'm moving from like I'm just like something to like I'm owning like a, a, an area where I'm at or a piece of a property or a, a, a neighborhood or a block or whatever. Like there has to be like some personal responsibility that comes directly from a call. Yeah. Um, and that, you know, like that can be a tough place to get to where I feel that call, but it may not be every single person that comes through like, and, and talk about the bridge that I, cause I, I feel this someone comes because they like something about what we're doing, but they don't understand ultimately the DNA of what we're doing is for Delano. Right. But they like like you know how we meet, where we meet, when and why, and all that kind of stuff. but like the underneath, they, they don't connect fully to becoming a missionary themselves exactly. yeah. and, and living that
2: out. Right. We, we found that when you plant a missional church a neighborhood church, it's attractive in the sense, um, especially to like millennial generation and stuff, like they want to be a part of something that is yeah. important and stuff like this. But the problem is is that what might be happening underneath, is they just really like watching you be on mission. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Really like you doing the work. Yeah. And we found that out in the first few years. It's like, well, it seems like people like bragging about what we're doing, but yet they don't seem to be as involved Mm. as they need to be. And there's this leadership principle that haunts me. It says, um, if you want your people to bleed for the mission, you got a hemorrhage. Well, Hemorrhaging doesn't sound too healthy. <laughs> I'm not a medical person, but like that's why we have a lot of pastor burnout is they're trying to like, come on, come on, come on, follow me, follow me, follow me, yeah. follow me. But there's yeah. something broken at a fundamental level with their um, their calling. And what you're saying is them taking themselves on as missionaries. So like, what's happening at Revive right now is we've reset it back to – um, we invite these people to on mission and we have them fill out these basic cards about where they're out in their life, what they're passionate about. We meet with them and coach them and we're trying to structure our whole ministry based on what they're willing to step into passionately. And if that means we have to step back and not impress some of the people who come as consumers, then oh well, because if we're going to be a missionary church, a missional church, it's going to have to be led by a group of missionaries, not just a few leaders that have got it on our shoulders. And that we are radically close to burning out almost every year because yeah. of that because we're trying to put this backpack of community change. First of all, communities don't change overnight. Mm-hmm. Um we found the our favorite people are social workers because they know how to set long-term goals. Mm. Pastors typically don't. They want to see change in a year or two. Yeah. Social workers will say, "Well, we hope to see effective change over 10 years and here's how we're going to do it. Here's the plan." Yeah. That's good. That's good for us if you really want to see change in a community. Um, that it's gonna take decades. Yeah. You know?
1: I feel like I'm forever gonna have that in my head. If you want the people to bleed for the mission, you have to have it.
2: I hate that. It, I mean, it literally haunts me. Um, and I get
0: it, but. Oh, you, you, you even influenced us to when we were first coming into Delano, like we were wondering how do you build relationships with community yeah. leaders and stuff like that. And one of, the, one of the things you talked about was like you – th- I remember you saying like you would go in and you talk with the principal or the, or the assistant principal and you would say, um, you know, what's your, what's your five-year plan yeah. or seven-year plan? Like what do you want to see this school – doing in five years and then how can we just be a part of it so one of the i i always think this with revive Mm -hmm. you you uh don't want to go in and necessarily start a bunch of stuff right you want to join in what's already going and just and just help to prop it up to build it up you you had a you, you said if you ever wrote a book you would write one that's like how to photobomb exactly. the neighborhood. Yeah. You don't want to be the picture. Right. You just want to be in like the background of yes. everything mm-hmm. because you're helping to kind of be the support and the, and the anchor. And So mm-hmm. when we went and talked with Principal Smith um, you know, five years ago, you know, the first question was like, hey, what, what do you want to see in the next five years at Franklin Lane? What right. are the barriers and that kind of thing? We're, and she just like, oh, family's in isolation you know families don't know what's going on and and there's not a whole lot of like you said there's not a whole lot of community connection or or or, uh, um even information that goes and and gets connected to these families so like uh so it just helped to like present a posture for us Mm -hmm. that was not so much how do we because we were turning our wheels trying to think what can we do that's new and instead we changed our perspective to go what's already happening yes and how can we just be a part of it champion it speak well of it um right. provide um opportunities for for other people to engage with it so that's always been yeah. a direct influence here
2: at the at the district gosh thank you yeah, yeah and we learned those things i mean books that helped point us to that was my favorite book outside of the books of the Bible is uh, "Experiencing God" by Henry Blackaby, mm. that talks about it was written in the eighties. Um, you joining God in His work; He's already at work, and you're just joining Him. Um, when helping hurts, formed us a lot, and mm. I think it's fundamental because it talks about the God complex and everything you just said fundamentally comes back to that. The God complex is when I come into a community, and because I'm a Christian, and I'll even go a step further because I'm a white American, and I have some, you know opportunities there that I come in with this posture of you are lucky to have me here you are blessed because I'm here now that's the problem so when I go into a meeting and if I have the God complex right then I'm not going to be asking what their dream is I'm going to be telling them what you know they should do Yeah, and um, it doesn't work Um, first you're new to the area they're probably already skeptical about you There's, um, there's this mantra around church plants or not mantra but reputation that You might be here for a few years and then leave, so you know groups aren't always excited to have you around and such like this. But everybody wants help on accomplishing their dream, right?
1: Um, There's this is a a little bit of a different direction. Um, There's this this quote. I think it's Martin Lloyd Jones said something like this, where it was like, "Our job as Christians is." is to save people as the ship is going down, not rearrange the chairs is how he says it, which oh, wow. I kind of take a little bit of issue to how he says that, even though I really like that guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's like, there's streams of, of Christians who say like, no, like the, the social issues have, it's, that's not our responsibility. Mm-hmm. And then there's kind of this chasm in between from, from my understanding, and then on the other side is, like, social issues and then doctrine and theology. Uh-huh. Teaching the Bible can kind of, like, fall to the wayside. Uh-huh. Um, how do you guys kind of keep that, both of those things connected? Like, looking at how do we love and serve people here, the way right. Jesus clearly did, but also recognize Jesus said, like, my, my mission is to preach the gospel. Right. So, like, how do you hold those, or how have you held those?
2: Yeah. Um, really delicately, so I guess to think in a specific lane. Um, of that, because it feels kind of vast, is um, racial healing. Um, there's a strong um, divide in Kansas City of black and white. Um, obviously, it's all across the country, you know, but we just kind of see what we have. And so um, we believe that we are to speak into that. But it is incredibly touchy um, and very difficult to navigate in. So, like the first five years that we were at Revive, um, our thought was how should the church look? Like, as far as who's in the church, you should walk. Eight blocks one way, eight blocks another. Whoever you encounter, that's what your church should be, Mm -hmm. right? If you're a neighborhood church, that's what you should be. So if you encounter all white people, then you should be all white. If you don't, then you should look like the neighborhood. That was the question we asked for the first five years. The question that we're now asking is who's not in the neighborhood and why? Mm. Ah, That's a much more difficult question to ask. And primarily for us, it's the black-white issue Um, because there's very low African-American in our community. Why? Does it mean that there never has been, mm-hmm. or is there some really ugly history there? It's the second one, really ugly history. I mean, decades of forcing black families out of independence because they saw them as a problem mm-hmm. um, in a very, very aggressive and ugly way. A lot of people truly believing that that's where the crime came from, which is not true. Meth, Methamphetamines is what killed independence, and that is an undereducated white drug. Mm-hmm. So I can stand as a white person and say, actually— we're the ones who caused the problems. Hmm. Anyways, so how we deal with that, we preach the gospel unapologetically. Jesus is the way, absolutely. But we care about these things, and we invite people into this story, usually looking at how Jesus postured himself around others. Um, really, really difficult. Another leadership principle that haunts me is that if you're too far in front of the people, you're seen as the enemy. So you have to walk delicately as a pastor in front of your people pushing them. Because when we've said things that have been too far too strong— will lose people. And there's groups that will say, well, that's good. They were backward thinkers. "Ah, There's still souls that need caring for. Mm -hmm. So we're going to have to figure out how to do this together. There's another subtext of Revive that we try to honor. If you want to be a multi-ethnic church, here's your tagline. Nobody gets their way. (laughs) <laughs> that's 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 really what it means. So if somebody s- says I like your church because you're pre-, you know whatever I like the music or whatever, it's like well I don't like it too much because we're going to be shifting it up. Because if we're really trying to represent the community, well if we have a lot of Latino, how do we represent the Latino community? For us we have a lot of Samoan families. How do we represent Samoan families? How do we represent these families? Okay, mm-hmm. so- social classes. We have um, a you know, someone who makes $150,000 sit next to somebody who is, you know, on government assistance, you know, Mm -hmm. so how do you have those two people in the same church on different sides politically, you know, different sides, um, you know, uh, racially, all these things, all these divides, we say, you know, Jesus saves, preach it authentically from the text and we trust that the spirit's going to land it and just be careful when you stand on a platform um, to, to carry it with grace and truth. You know, Jesus both did grace and truth effectively and we see people usually jumping into one of those two camps. I know it's a hard one to answer directly, yeah. so I'm, I'm sorry for moving around a bit.
1: No, that's a great question. I feel like I've heard you say, whether it's been since we've hit record or not, that like it's uncomfortable and messy. Or words sure, that I've heard yeah, you say, messy. Uh uh-huh. Uh-huh. Which may in part be the answer to that. It's like yeah. imperfectly, messy, uncomfortable, sure. faithfully. Yeah. Hemorrhaging.
2: Yeah, but really, really fun. So let's talk about the good sides. It's like we intentionally put our kids in the neighborhood school. We love Western independence. It's very eclectic, a lot of different people from different backgrounds. One of the things that's really fun about areas that struggle with material poverty, and I always say material poverty because there's different types of poverty. Mm-hmm. There's relational poverty that's in the suburbs like crazy, mm-hmm. right? So that struggle with material poverty is when your home is small, you typically do life outside community is best built outside. Mm -hmm. So I would say that our community is ridiculously rich and it's very, very eclectic. And our kids get to see a neighborhood kind of out of time, a place that maybe only existed in the fifties and sixties or something Mm -hmm. because of those things. So those are gifts to us. Mm -hmm. And so all of that is worth it because my kids view of life, ministry, the church is much healthier than mine, Mm -hmm. much healthier. I don't think they're going to have to unlearn a lot of things that I had to unlearn.
0: Yeah, that's good. I, I we've, we've experienced some of that same stuff with our kids. Like, you know, at first we're like, they're going to have a very different church experience than I right. did growing up. Very yeah. different. I mean, I mean, their first church was a coffee shop. Like, you know, we yeah. like it, you know. so uh, And then the neighborhood that we're in, the school they go to, dad's highly involved, mom's highly involved in yeah. like, the inner workings of all of it and serving and it's always related to this church stuff and it's always like to our, you know, kind of our mission. And then on the, they're always, I mean, our kids are always outside. Yeah. We're always out doing stuff in the front yard and, and that's the other thing we don't do stuff in our backyard. Right. Yet. It's always in the front yard yeah. and uh, they, you know, everybody just, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's, 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 right. <laughs> I wouldn't have articulated it like that, but that's, that's kind of a, it's fun. I
1: heard yeah. somebody on, uh, it was talking to somebody who moved to a different part of Wichita and we're kind of, we're not specifically in Delano. We're like South Central yeah. area. And uh, this woman had said, I almost wish I could move back to, to closer to South Wichita. Yeah. Because people were out on their porch. Mm. And in my neighborhood, everyone is inside. inside. Yeah. Mm. So that's, that's funny that you put yeah. it that way. I really right. put that together either.
0: Yeah. Yeah. A time path. Yeah. That's 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 super interesting. What else is, what else are you celebrating? What else is like,
2: man, this is, this is good. Yeah. Um, we survived COVID. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> we're still here. And some days that's all it feels like. It's yeah. just that we're in the game, you know? Like we, yeah. didn't, we didn't change. Um, we were fined. You know, I see. Um, People who uh, fought the good fight and stayed faithful to, you know, the Lord through a difficult time. But we've also watched some people, you know, step back into addictions and things like this. Yeah. We, we say uh, not everybody spent their stimulus check on getting themselves out of debt. Yeah. Some used it on drugs, unfortunately, yeah. Yeah. Um, and went right. I think that's what happens when you give a gift without accountability. Yeah. Right. But um, we're—, we're, we're we're doing well in the sense that our community structure is back in a positive direction and we've learned a thing or two. And so, like I said, back on the mission, mission cards, and we, we have this kind of on mission pursuit. It's based on home depots, old, um, uh, mantra of you can do it. Um, we can help mm-hmm. the church has often been the opposite of that, of where we can do it. You can help. Yeah. And so we've really tried to help put the ministry back onto the people. And out of that, just one fun story, like, okay, we pushed this on-mission stuff back in March. We didn't realize that we have a Filipino church plant in our church that started without even my coaching or blessing. Hmm. And this was so cool. A family that is from the Philippines, um, because of COVID, they haven't been able to get back home, and so they have adopted independence as their home base. Hmm. And they come to Revive, and they have many— Connections to the Filipino community in our in our neighborhood, and so they own a Salad Master business, and so they have a brick and mortar down the street. So they're just starting up a Tuesday night worship service for Filipinos, hmm. and it's like, what, you know what I mean? It's yeah. like the more I get out of the way, and the more I just celebrate others. It's like, well, we had a church plant in our church that we get to, you know, be a part of that doesn't cost us anything. You know what I mean? Just love and support and care. And just stuff like that—that that is really exciting. I think we're starting to see our people um, follow the posture that we've been trying to model for them. That's, good. Um, so, that's awesome. So less stories about us and me and more stories about what's going on in our people.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you, had, you had mentioned social workers are better at yeah. saying, like, think five, ten years down. There. Right. The line I've heard before is, uh, you can do far less in one year than you think. You can do way more in ten years than you could mm-hmm. imagine. Oh, that's really good. Thanks, I didn't come up with it, but you can quote me on it. Sounds really good. Like. Matt made it up. <laughs> Heard this from Sorry, Matt. <laughs> uh, with a line that says "Matt Cantrell" and there's another line that says anonymous. An- "Anonymous." So I get all the credit still. Um, so I don't know how to phrase this question other than like, is that something that was a quick learn for you, or do you feel like you're still kind of kind of learning that every single day? Because even yeah. you saying like it's not it's not so much you doing right. things. Yeah. That would be the one year. Like I can do a lot by myself, just like sure. spin my spin the wheel. Right. Ten years means I gotta get out of the way, to get people in the right position or or shut up when I need to talk or, or no vice versa.
2: Yeah. No, I'm with you. I'm How with do you. I
1: say that? Doesn't matter. Go ahead. Yeah.
2: If you wanna go fast, go alone. If you wanna go far, go together. Alright. And so like that's some of the thinking. So we did have to learn it the hard way in the sense that we almost burn, burned out, you know, doing, 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 doing. Um, and some of that probably had to take place to get the city's attention and, and the neighborhood's attention. So that's part of the of the church planting um, effort. But at some point, you, you have to shift around a bit and let others others do the ministry. You know, our model, like, what is success? Like, okay, the, the church planting group that we started with, mm-hmm. similar to, to Travis's, in the sense that we were reading books that said the uh, two and 200, I meaning that if you don't reach 200 in two years, you're a failure and mm-hmm. you're not going to ever grow over 200. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? Revived Church failed. Mm-hmm. Like we broke that barrier before COVID and we've not hit it back since. So if you just want to nail us on numbers, we are a failure. Mm-hmm. But when we think about the question would Northwest Independence miss us if we moved? Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. We have become an important pillar of community development in our neighborhood. That's essential to the groundwork of what's happening. Um, our model is different. We have a small building, which is nice because we can afford it um, most of the time. <laughs> 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 but, like, um, we don't have a, a model of um, a coffee shop in our space. We have around the corner, Community Services League, one of our partners, a non-faith-based organization, but a lot of Christians who work in it, they have a wonderful coffee shop that is truly helping people come off the street into sustainable Mm -hmm. life. So we say, let's support that like crazy. So we have a lot of people who work full-time with that organization. I hang out there. I have my meetings there. I'm kind of like the pastor in the room. So it's like, that's my office, right? And we have a lot of those types of situations around town where it's like when you look at okay, how big is the building or numbers or something like that versus how big is your impact and how is your DNA spreading across the city in this posture? Well, that's a different metrics and yeah. much more difficult to manage. Yeah. It's not as measurable, which bother people who are numbers people. Right. Because they're like, is it measurable? Is it measurable? Well, yes, through stories and relationship and impact. Right. But it's not as um, easy to see on paper. Yeah. I think that's...
0: but. But that is that uh, you start talking about like toxic Christianity yeah. and stuff like that where we don't like I mean the the most poignant example for typical churchgoers is like if you if we send you know uh, fifty thousand pounds of rice down to Haiti, right right? We're like, okay, that's good for us right <laughs> but the question is the the people who are like growing it down in Haiti who actually yeah. have a, a, a that's part of their economy, yeah, we right. just threw this at them as like, okay, we fed bellies and we can put that on our metric, but we're not right. considering what did we just do to their economy? What did we right. just do to that? What did we just do that that subsystem of people who like bank on selling it for whatever so that they can, you know, infuse it back into their, their you know, uh, their local community and that that sort of thing. And so right. to, to consider, I, that's what I love, man. Like you think about how independence, Western independence works. Yeah. How does it work? How does it run? And how can the church help with the prosperity of the city? Yeah. How can the church help to truly, like, live out the mission of Revive? You right. know, help it get its feet again and champion it and be a part of it. And then, like, along the way, um, incarnationally, like, people meet Jesus yeah. because they're like, oh, Jesus is for this. Yeah. Jesus is it wants to see this thrive and and find health and all that kind of stuff that's that's just awesome
2: you know something if i can just speak into it um i I spend some time reading about uh shame and there's toxic shame and there's healthy shame Mm -hmm. um healthy shame is someone coming alongside through relationship and saying you're not acting the way that you should or who you are meant to be so in this thing i just feel like we need to say this that we've learned this over the last couple years in our community we're rallying everybody's dreams right like that's what people from the outside would say what happens when their dreams aren't godly? What happens when the city moves in a direction that's not a good move? Um, if we have a relationship that can sustain the conversation, there's opportunities. And we've had one several recently where we've had to go to some of these partnerships, like the police department, like the school district, and say, I love you, but I do not agree with this. Yeah, That's a different thing. Yeah. But because we have been a stable partner, we've loved and supported them, that's what relationship does, right, mm-hmm. is to say, Um, You know, like, for instance, we were um, mistreated by a police officer recently, and my wife and I, and it really upset us. And so we went as high and as far as we could to say, this is not the police department that we have been proud of over the last nine years. There needs to be more accountability on this officer, and we need some explanation because I'm standing up Sunday morning and rallying and saying we are proud of IPD. Mm -hmm. And I want to make sure I can do that with integrity. Mm -hmm. And so you tell me what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. Same with the school district. There's some 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 legal matters that they did over the last few years that um, were really challenging to us. Like, we, we really didn't want to stand on their side. And so we had to kind of stand on the other side of it and say, um, we don't agree with this. Um, but we're still in the neighborhood. We still love you. But as, as Jesus people, like, our um, biblical theology will not allow us to agree with you. Yeah. And we will stand opposed if necessary, but we'd also like through relationship to understand one another. Yeah. Does that make sense? So yeah. like, that's the folly in some of this. Is like, I'm not going to rally your dreams when it's radically against God.
0: Yeah, but that goes back to what you're saying. I mean, if, if the easiest thing to do in that situation is to isolate. Right. right? It always goes back to that, like, oh, just, we'll just get away from this. We'll just be the church yeah. subculture
2: yeah. that operates on its own rules exactly. and let everybody else go to hell. It's right. easier to do that.
0: Right. It's easier to just look at that and just like, you know, distance yourself instead of like, but, but to think, but what, do what you did, which is like consciously think about your own convictions, where you stand and how do I, yeah you know, yeah. how can I actually navigate this? And I, I think that's actually the only way you can really effectively help in the community is, is to hold to your convictions yeah. and to commu- like come to the table with, I disagree. Right. And, but I'm. But I'm here. I'm like, still here. Yeah, like I'm. I'm ready to. I'm. I'm engaging. I'm. I'm with it. Like
2: and um. And if they know you, if they're yeah. like, well, that's that's Alex. That's Revive. That's Travis. That's Matt. Yeah. That's District. We know their heart. We know what they do. We're yeah. gonna at least give them a listening ear. Yeah. If you've earned a place at the table, you have an opportunity to disagree. Yeah. Right.
1: Well, and maybe that's an answer to like the ten years versus one year. Right. Is that it takes time. Those relationships. Yeah. Right. So if you do something kind of screwy, or if yeah. you stand up for something that you need to stand up for, they know your, they know your history, they know your heart, they know what you've done.
0: Yeah. We've we've had to do that the last couple of years, like where we've, you know, it's you you always want to say yes and you always want to help, but like yeah. sometimes when some, especially when your own family is a part of it, right. And we're not coming in with like the messiah complex, but we yeah. are like here just trying to help where we where we can. But you have to like confront on. Well, I don't this is i don't agree with this i don't think this is okay instead of like just backing off of that actually taking it in with leadership and saying yeah. hey this is going to be uncomfortable cuz like we we we're, we're, we're going to try and provide lunch for teachers next week but like yeah. i disagree with where you're yeah. at here <laughs> what do we do <laughs> yeah yeah how do we mm-hmm. how do we navigate and and work through some of that um, and yeah like you said before i think the tenor of the conversation
2: is just it's messy and it's not it's 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 not always the cleanest, right? But it's and it always resets. Relationships reset. Like um, we think through: can that conversation be sustained with the relational rapport that I have with that individual? So, like back to the police department situation, um, my first call was to um, Major Ed. <laughs> that I he's a strong Christian man. I love this guy. He has been such a support. Well, I didn't know, but six months he took a job in another city. Mm. So when I needed to call upon him, I didn't have him. Mm-hmm. And so then we kind of had to start the whole process back over and say, okay, who else can we build these relationships with so mm-hmm. that we can have those difficult conversations. So it's not like this progressive up and to the right always. A lot of it's resetting. Yeah. You know?
0: Yeah, that's good.
2: Well, this has been a great conversation.
0: But we have DJ even, Travis back. We have <laughs> We haven't even gotten to the most important thing, uh, and that is that your PR for a 5K <laughs> a is 18 minutes, 42 seconds. 18 minutes and 42 seconds, yes. which do the math: six minute, 15 seconds. Uh, it's closer to six, yeah, flat, yeah. Oh,
2: close. Oh, well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Runners typically Six know minutes. exactly what they, just like, you know, what you bench press or something like this. Yeah. I'm a runner as well. Why would you go
0: sure. to weightlifting? Well, then get it right. Because I just told you. <laughs> <laughs> <The> <laughs> Which that, I, I mean. I do
2: find running very therapeutic. Oh,
0: that's, that's a crazy thing to think about because I find running just messing with the dark matter in my mind. But yeah. You find it therapeutic. Well, I try to sit it down and then leave it. What are you? What are you thinking while you're running? Actually, I want to know this. What are you thinking? That's while what I'm you're thinking. Running? I'm
2: thinking what is stressing me out, and how can I drop it there? And I'm not planning to come back and pick it up. Okay, so like you're, a lot of
0: those things you're processing. So you don't run with people. Uh, very rarely. Okay.
1: See, so, yeah. yeah, I run with it's people. It's usually my run. own thing. Yeah. Now you got to ask him back what he's thinking about. What
0: are you thinking about when you run? When I'm running know? with people, I'm trying to talk so that I'm not thinking about. Like I'm thinking about. Okay, I need to make it to that.
1: The answer is anything except for running. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Usually when I
2: tell people in our community, we're not a big running community. Um, we're growing, though. I mean, more people are. And they'll be like, you're a runner? And I'm like, yeah. And they'll be like, what, what are you running from? <laughs> you run from police? They're like, what, what are you running from? And I'm like, oh, because I choose to. Oh, that's stupid. Exercise. See, a car, right? Yeah. Is your car
1: broke? <laughs> I heard uh, if you don't, I don't run.
0: Yeah. I your Your knees are awful, though. Oh, oh, that's and a good also reason. Also, just wouldn't,
1: just yeah, just won't, should but should. shouldn't. Uh, and <laughs> I've heard, I've heard, uh, if you run without headphones, it looks like someone's chasing you. So you got to put headphones oh, on. that
2: cool. solves yeah. the issue. My first race that I did, I put in headphones. And I was trying to listen to music, and I had this really cool playlist all set up of like Led Zeppelin, and I mean, like it was some old rock stuff. But the I've I've never run with music since because on coming into the finish was this slowest ballad ever. And I timed it wrong. and It was so uninspiring. And so now I don't run with music.
0: I don't often, I don't often run with music. Yeah. Um, I remember uh, doing a paper out when I was younger, though, and I wanted headphones, uh, but I didn't have anything to plug them into. Oh. But I still just wanted the appearance of headphones, yes. which tells you a lot of what you need to know about me. <laughs> I know? think I got it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I just, like, tucked it into my, my oh, shorts nice. pockets and just uh, <laughs> acted like Yeah, I... if you don't want to talk to people, we put on headphones, right? <laughs> uh, anyways, um, thanks, Alex. Yes, thanks. For sharing with us. Um, and we'll go from there, man. Um, We're praying you up and grateful for what you're doing in independence. Yeah. We'll keep
2: learning from you. Both ways, man. We learn a lot from district. Super proud of the work here. Awesome. Thanks.